There is nothing worse than absolute destruction of a pair of pants when that happens. Not just the split. That happened to me at Madison Square Garden once where I got it caught on a chair and it just ripped up the side. It was such a disaster. Oh, so God, what did I you feel do then? Pain. What did you do? Because you're in public. You're at the garden. Everybody's I was at the garden and I was visiting a friend in a seat before I went to call a game. And then I, I kind of slunk back to my desk at the, or my seat at the you know, courtside with the media and tried to cover it up on my way there. <laughs> and you still did the game. Still did the game, absolutely. Kudos to you. Oh, look, look at you absolutely. playing hurt. You look fight you. through adversity. That's what life's about. It's okay, canty. so the opposite of what Ben Simmons does. Oh, my God. It is Canty and Carlin on ESPN <laughs> Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80, not to mention ESPN Plus, presented by Progressive Insurance. The Nets tonight could be facing a almost a legacy-altering situation for Kevin Durant and for Kyrie Irving, and we want you to be a part of the conversation. Join us on the CC call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. And the question to you is this. If the Nets get swept tonight, is it actually a much, much worse end to expectations than the Lakers' season was? Is it a bigger failure than the Lakers not making the playoffs? I absolutely believe that it is. I've thought all along that it would be if they lost in the first round, let alone getting swept. I mean, Chris, from a couple of different angles, this is a fascinating situation. But let's start there because we haven't talked much about it today. You look at what happened with the Lakers. There's no getting around what a massive disappointment this season was for them. But there were more than a few people who were raising an eyebrow last summer when LeBron and Anthony Davis were getting together with Russell Westbrook, and we were saying, really? That's that's the guy that you want to tie yourself to to try to go win another title? And I think that skepticism, well, as it's proven out to be, was incredibly healthy. And now we have the Nets, where before the season, the expectation was championship. You have Kyrie not playing the first half of the year and then playing sparingly in the second half of the year until the vaccine mandates got uh, knocked out of place. Yeah, James Harden so frustrated with the situation, not even with the Nets for a year, that he forced his way out. And you have Kevin Durant playing by far his worst postseason series of his career. Chris, I tie that all together. The Nets are a much bigger debacle than the Lakers season was. Well, Carlin, I want to say they are just because you know I'm a Lakers fan and I'm looking for any excuse to deflect. And so in the middle <laughs> Let's of Let's whitewash NBA, what happened out west. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, I mean, you know it's the NBA playoffs, so LeBron James, even though his team is not in the postseason, is going to find a way to insert himself. He posts a picture of him or a video of him on, uh, on vacation on social media. Or maybe it was his wife's fan. I can't remember. But he wanted to make it a point that everybody knew this was going to be the last postseason that LeBron James was not a part of. But I digress. Um, I'll say this, Carlin. It feels like a bigger disappointment if they get swept. It's not just a matter of losing in the first round, but it's what it looks like. And although these games have been competitive, the series, the complexion of it has not been. And I think the more time and space we put between the Brooklyn Nets getting bounced, and now I think people will look back on it and not 
necessarily want to give KD and Kyrie any credit for them even dragging this team to the postseason, given all that the Nets have dealt with this season. So uh, I'm with you. I I think that this is probably a bigger disappointment, but there's not that big of a gap in terms of the disappointment that was the Los Angeles Lakers because you got three future Hall of Famers on that team, Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis, and you couldn't find a way to make it work. Now, I get it. AD was out for most of the season, but still, LeBron James usually can drag any group of guys, any other four guys, to the playoffs by himself. And that did not end up happening this year. And beyond that, they got worse after the All-Star break, was, which is usually the time where teams that are true contenders end up getting better. So I will say that. And then the other thing that I think could be a caveat to all of this is how the Boston Celtics season ends. Because if the Celtics sweep the Nets on their way to winning an NBA title, then I think it does cushion the blow ever so slightly in terms of how people perceive the Brooklyn Nets and how much of a disaster this was. But I still think the the biggest debacle between, you know, the two teams, whether we're comparing the Nets and the Lakers, it absolutely has to be the Nets if they get well, swept. Well, it's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. And to that point, though, when – Normally, I would say that would be accurate, how the other team goes and does. But when it's Durant and when it's Kyrie and them, in essence, telling us they didn't need a coach and anybody can coach at any given time, (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah, no matter how it goes down from then on, you're judged as superstars in the league on a whole nother level. And then you've got this from Kyrie, which is is a lack of self-awareness from Kyrie Irving, from players all over the league, frankly, from people is alarming at times. I mean, you go to any airport, there's a lot of people who are not self-aware about what's going on. Fair but point. This comment from Kyrie the other day, after the loss on Saturday, about the team and how they haven't gelled is maddening. Take a listen. Being in a series like this with guys that um, – you know, we, we're all just trying to gel, and, and usually you're gelling around the right time, and that, that team in the other locker room is gelling at the right time. They've been gelling since Christmas. Uh, so for us, we, we're, we're just in a, in a new experience uh, as a group, and, and we just got to respect that. And, and he went on to say, and, you know, I, I'm somewhat to blame because I'm not playing well. He didn't say I'm somewhat to blame because I wasn't here, because I chose to do something else. He was not owning that at all. So just look around here. I mean, Durant has been terrible. I really, I have to say, the majority of Durant's struggles, I really put on how well the Celtics have done against him. Because truth be told, I don't think he's getting any help from anyone else. He got help from Kyrie in game one. He hasn't been good since. And nobody else there is really helping him nearly enough for them to win games. And so you can take Durant and run three guys at him and not really have a problem, and that's what happens. You end up with 17 turnovers and 19 field goals. Well, here's the thing, Carlin. I'll give Bruce Brown credit because I think he tried. He had 26 points in 40 minutes. So I I will give Bruce Brown some credit for having a little bit of fight in game three. But you're right. On the whole, there haven't been enough guys in Nets uniform step up. Seth Curry has been a ghost. Like, I mean, the guy has been, you know, a non-factor in this series. He's supposed to be a guy that spaces the floor and knock downs open shots. He's an assassin, a hired gun. He has not been that dude. 
Like you haven't had enough of a physical presence inside. Remember that soundbite from Bruce Brown saying that they were going to take advantage of the Celtics inside because they had no Robert Williams in the first couple of games because they thought they could take it to Daniel Tice and Al Horford. How's that working out for the Brooklyn Nets? All I'm simply saying is this. With the matchups that should be in the Nets' favor, they struggle to consistently exploit them, whereas the Boston Celtics, they don't struggle at all when it comes to the matchups that they like on the offensive end, and that's why I put a lot of the struggles of the Brooklyn Nets on their head coach, Steve Nash. Now, Kyrie and KD deserve their fair share because they're the chief orchestrators of what we're seeing with the Brooklyn Nets, but you also got to put a part of this on Steve Nash, too, because this is a team that that is come up short, and you're talking about trying to find answers to get your superstar going, and Steve Steve Nash has none to speak of. And on top of that, Carlin, you're asking Kevin Durant to play 40-plus minutes every single night, and you've been asking him to do that for the last two months. At some point, fatigue becomes a factor. Absolutely. Tom Coughlin said it all the time. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. When I see some of the mistakes that Kevin Durant is making, they look like fatigue mistakes. Some of the errant turnovers, some of the 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 the, the lack of playmaking, they look like not only not only is the Boston Celtics playing good defense, but it also looks like Kevin Durant is just tired. Oh, and, and to me, it, I put a lot of that on Steve Nash. And it'd be complete, it would be completely fair. I just I put it on the team in general because of the situation they were in and the need to do it. I mean, all of it. Everybody has played an absolute massive role in how poorly this has gone. For the net. So we want to hear from you on the CC call in line at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Would the Nets getting swept in the first round be a bigger failure than the Lakers not even making the playoffs? And how do you view KD and Kyrie after this mess? 888-SAY-ESPN. We get to your calls in just moments. Also on the way... The San Francisco 49ers want how much for Debo Samuel? We'll tell you next. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network. All lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network.
We're making some moves on the phones right now at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Did the Nets even have a sniff here? And how much is actually blamed on KD and Kyrie and how everything has gone wrong? Plus, are they a bigger disappointment, bigger failure than the Lakers are this year? It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Let's come in hot. Brought to you by Fidelity Investments. Let's do it with Bryson in Mississippi up first on Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Bryson, what's up, bud? I've actually got a call on ESPN Radio. Yeah. Bryson. You're out, Bryson. Next, David in Minneapolis. Good start, David. Let's go. Are you with us, David? I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, go. Hey, uh... Mr. Carlin, I know there's very few NBA players that you dislike more than uh, than James Harden. And, but we have. I wouldn't to say I dislike that... him. I just I I don't see it with James Harden sometimes, and I hate the way but... he has forced his way out of situations that he wanted to be in, and forced players out from where he was in Houston. Well, I I agree. It, it does look bad, but he has made an adjustment to being the point guard on a team that looks like one of the better teams in the East right now. But I do believe that, that the, the Nets are a bigger disappointment than the Lakers because all we've heard about is that Kyrie and, and, um, and KD are the best players in the world and so on, and, 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 and they've, they've looked terrible. They, they've not looked like the best players. And the Lakers, we knew that they had struggles, but we never knew that the Nets would look this bad. And and it's going to impact KD's legacy, I believe. Yeah, I'm I'm with him on that one, Carlin. Like that, that's the thing that 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 has to be so concerning if you're somebody that's in KD's camp, or if you're KD. Like th- this is a bad look. You came to Brooklyn to enhance your legacy, and essentially, you're doing the opposite. You're diminishing. Your legacy. You left a way better basketball situation with the Golden State Warriors to come to Brooklyn and say that, you know what, I'm capable of winning a championship with Kyrie Irving and anything else that we're able to assemble around these two core players. And oh, yeah, by the way, I'm going to bring Steve Nash with me to become the head coach and we're going to get rid of Kenny Atkinson because I don't like the way that that's going. Yeah, that, that's what I wanted to do. And yeah. ultimately, it's resulted in you getting bounced in the second round in the first year you and Kyrie played together and being bounced in the first round of the second year you and, K- you and Kyrie played together. It's not but, a good look for KD, man. It really no, isn't. And, and I think in, within two years, he'll force his way out. He'll get hammered. He'll get criticized all over the place. But eventually, when he's getting into Springfield, nobody's going to be thinking about that. I, I think that's how that's uh, going to play. I don't know, man. There's, there's levels to this thing. I mean, there, there's... When you start talking about the Hall of Fame, no matter what sport it is, there's levels to this. And KD was well on his way to being in that inner inner circle. When you start having a conversation, sure. is he a top ten player in the history of the game? Like he he was on his way to being that dude the last time we saw him in a Golden State Warriors uniform. And now his career has taken a detour in terms of being able to build on what we've already seen him accomplish. In, in in his in his earlier career, so I, I don't I'm not with you on that one. I think there was plenty to gain from this stop with KD in Brooklyn, and if he could have found a way to be able to win a championship on his own terms rather than joining an organization that has already won championships, then I think that there's a different narrative around him. But the fact that we saw him bail on OKC the way he did 
for a team that beat them in the Western Conference playoffs and then to leave Golden State after you won a couple of championships to go to Brooklyn, people are absolutely going to criticize him if this thing continues down the path that it's on. Canty and Carlin, let's hit Brandon in Los Angeles next on ESPN Radio. Brandon, what do you got? Hey, man, I want to say, for one, the Lakers season was so disappointing. You had a point guard that your own fan base blew his mental. And, you know, why are we suspecting so much from Ben Simmons where in the past, like, what, three playoff appearances, he only averaged 15. He's scared to play. So, like, honestly, the Brooklyn Nets, they got some things to work on. Trust me, they're going to be back next year. But the Lakers, man, the Lakers can't say nothing after this season they had. Well, but the Lakers, here's the other thing, too, okay? The the Lakers already won a championship, even though I think it's basically a summer camp championship. It's a ring, nonetheless. The Nets were supposed to do this, and they haven't even had a sniff, and they're about to get wiped out of the first round and had to fight to even get there. I mean, that speaks volumes to me, Chris. That says everything to me. Yeah, big fella, there's no question about it. I mean, with LeBron James, it's mission accomplished as a Laker, right? He came there to win a championship, and he also came there for off-the-court interest, and he was able to do both at a high level. Now, whether you want to argue that about Space Jam 2, that's a different story (laughs) for another day. But but he accomplished what he went to L.A. to accomplish. You can't say that KD accomplished what he came to Brooklyn to accomplish. Nope. And it doesn't seem like they're on a path to do that. And a big part of the reason why, Carlin, is because these dudes don't take the regular season serious. So until I see Kyrie and KD play 60-plus games in the regular season and Ben Simmons decide to show up and love basketball again, there's no reason to think that we're going to get a different result once we get into the postseason next year. Tell me why it's going to be different. It's not. And, you know. They were supposed to be gelling back in December. Remember? <laughs> that didn't happen. 888-ESPN. Would the Nets getting swept in the first round be a bigger failure than the Lakers not making the playoffs? We're hitting your calls on the CC call-in line. 888-ESPN. 888-729-3776. You can hit us up on Twitter, at Chris Carlin, at Chris Canty 99 Next, though, Is there a team, not just a team, is there a team playing lights out right now that we are overlooking for getting to the NBA Finals? We will explain who it is and why there is. Plus, the 49ers want an exorbitant price for Debo Samuel. You'll hear what it is in moments. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
Three days away, NFL Draft, and you can get it all right here on ESPN Radio. And one of the guys who's going to be a part of all that coverage joins us now. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. And on ESPN Plus, we welcome in Ian Fitzsimmons, of course, co-host Freddie and Fitzsimmons on ESPN Radio every night. Ian, at Ian Fitz ESPN on Twitter. Ian, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, congrats, gents, on the show. And uh, Carlin, uh, man. I hope that back feels pretty good because Canty may have to carry him every now and then. <laughs> you ain't right, Ian. You ain't right, man. First shot taken, 10 seconds in, big fella. How you been, man? Been pretty good, man. I know you're gearing up to do the draft out in Vegas, and that's where we want to start with you on the show today, man. This number one overall pick, it doesn't seem like it has the sizzle or the intrigue as it did a year ago because we were talking about the quarterbacks. But we do have an interesting debate or conversation about what prospect is going to go number one. For the majority of the draft process, it's been Aiden Hutchinson, the defensive end out of Michigan. But we're starting to hear some grumblings about Georgia defensive end Trayvon Walker potentially sliding into the number one overall pick. What are you hearing, and what are your thoughts on Trayvon Walker? Man, you know, Canty, I talked to two SEC offensive coordinators today, and independent of one another, they both had a very similar opinion on Walker. And like, I had him week one against Clemson, and then in the title game against Alabama. And in, in, in each of those games, he had a sack combined for, I think, seven tackles in those two games, again, combined. And you showed flashes of, like, holy mother-type explosion. Then he disappeared for a few series. So they both, independent of one another, told me today, Quote, the way they used him, he actually got decent production. This from one SECOC. They lined him up all over. So, yeah, the numbers might not be there, but that wasn't on him. It was more how they used him. Another one told me, if you're talking about potential versus production, I think it's both there because, and they went right back to what the other one said, they moved him from five to the three heck they every now and then they'd shade him with 99 Jordan Davis right over the nose so you know the way they used him if you want to look at just pure numbers you're fooling yourself because he's a freakish athlete that can drop in coverage if you want him to or get after the quarterback if you want him to so that's the interesting aspect when it comes to Walker out of Georgia and what I'm saying I don't he doesn't think he's a number one overall but he's a top five type talent so Get ready. I mean, a lot of people are going to, if you love numbers and analytics, you're going to see 33 total tackles, nine and a half career sacks. But both these guys, again, independent of one another, said, forget the numbers. The way they used him, he was as productive as he was going to be able to be because they moved him all over the field. Ian, is that, is that one of those situations where his own abilities almost work against him because they fall in love with everything that he can do? And if that is the case, how does a team that takes him unlock him to get the most production out of him? Where are they going to get that? Put him on the edge and say, see ball, get ball. Yep. <laughs> That's it. It's that simple. He, When you line him up outside, one of those coordinators told me today he's just an absolute beast. The production is there. And look, look it's also a very deep, edge, not very, but it's a deep edge draft. I mean, guys like Drake Jackson out of USC, nobody's talking about this guy. Go turn on the tape of 99, and I had him against Utah. I mean, look, he, he can play. I mean, he's got great bend. I mean, Dwight Freeney would give him a little, hey, hey nice spin move there, big fella. I mean, he, it's a it's a very good edge draft class if your team needs that. And Walker's one of those guys. Because they moved him all over the place, 
the numbers aren't there, but the production and the potential, when you put them together, yeah, it can be big time. But I don't know if he's number one overall, but what's the, when you really think about it, what's the biggest difference between one and five? Money. That's it. Because you're going top five, that means you can play. Heck, that, look, man, Dean White at Tampa coming out of LSU, where'd he go? Five. I think it's turned out all right. Yeah, no question about it. Talking with Ian Fitzsimmons, co-host of Freddie and Fitzsimmons right here on ESPN Radio. Also will be in Las Vegas on ESPN Radio's draft coverage, which kicks off on Thursday night. And you were talking about the depth when it comes to edge rushers in this class. This is not a class that's going to be known for the depth at the quarterback position, especially top-end talent. And so I wanted to ask you, from your perspective, because you put all of these guys under a microscope, who's the first quarterback to come off the board? And where do we see that happening in the first round? There's a difference between Kenny Pickett, who's more NFL-ready now, versus going back to that potential word again, right, with Malik Willis, who is not, in my opinion, NFL-ready now. And that's talking to several scouts and GMs around the league. But if you're if you're going early, because they're reaching here, man. I mean, I, I, I did not talk to a single scout that has had an, a first-round grade, a true first-round grade, on any of these quarterbacks. But we all know teams are going to reach. Heck, man, Jamarcus Russell went number one overall because the Raiders would love the big arm and they were afraid to miss on the next big thing. And he was big all right, right? And he got so big, he went right out of the league. But that's something. But if you're not talking about the number one guy who's going to be taken, I think it will be Malik Willis out of Liberty because of the immense potential. Like he had three picks against Middle Tennessee State. And then backed it up the following week with three picks at that level. And if you're that good, which he is, you know, that shouldn't be happening. So the potential for him to be a star is absolutely there. Pickett is more NFL ready now, but I believe Malik Willis, especially if he lasts to Pittsburgh at 20, he's gone, man. I mean, when you're dining with Mike Tomlin the night, the day before your pro day, that man's got a man crush on you, right? So (laughs) I don't think he's past Pittsburgh. I mean, look, Jordan Reed, who will be on our draft coverage with us on Saturday, he he thinks and he believes that the, that what not this is not what Detroit will do, but what they should do at number two is go ahead and take the flyer on him as your quarterback of the future. I wouldn't do that, but I understand the logic that Jordan's coming with. But I think Willis, to answer your question, will be the first quarterback taken off the board. Ian Fitzsimmons is going to be part of ESPN Radio's NFL draft coverage round one Thursday night, seven p.m. Eastern. All right, Ian, so tell me about Drake London because you have a few teams out there right now that are probably debating, do we go and try to trade for Debo Samuel or do we take one of these top wide receivers instead and develop them? Tell me about London specifically and if he is the most ready to make an impact right away for a team. Colin, I love the guy. I mean, I, I, we talk about man crushes. I got a man crush on, on Drake London. He, he is a sensational person, better player. And when I'm talking about sensational person, he likes playing for the guy next to him and doesn't care about numbers. When you talk about numbers, well, before I had uh, them against Utah, his previous three games, you ready for this? Nine for a buck 30, 10 for a buck 65, 13 for 170. For, I mean, that, that's insane, man. His speed is 40-inch vertical. I'm not a measurable guy, but he has it all. And I had a long conversation with him, and he said after uh, Clay Helton got fired, he took a long, hard look at what he could have done better, demanded more of a sense of urgency, telling me, quote, you never want to be a reason why something negative happens. I wonder what I could have done and we could have done as players 
better, more. That Now there's more effort. And I have to give that extra rep even more than I used to. He is, and when it comes to 50-50 balls, I don't think there's a better college receiver at just going up and getting the football than Drake London. Heck, he told me he was a better basketball player coming out of high school than a football player. And he said, part of the reason that I love 50-50 balls and man coverage is he said, quote, don't bet against me. It comes from out rebounding guys who are 6'8", 6'9", 6'10". And I said, why not hoop over football? He said, in this world we live in today, if you get a chance to legally hit someone, I don't shy away from a little contact. Quote, end quote, Mm. man. He is a remarkable talent, a phenomenal person, wants to win for the guy next to him more than the man in the mirror. If a team like the Jets at 10, if he's on the board, there's little doubt he'll be the highest-rated player on their board, and you're getting a phenomenal talent and as and equally as good of a person that you don't have to worry about getting in trouble off the field and the bat phone ringing at 2 o'clock on a Friday night. And awesome stuff, man. Looking forward to all the coverage Thursday, 7 p.m. on ESPN Radio. Thanks, brother. And, of course, later on tonight with Freddie and Fitzsimmons. Gentlemen, congrats on the show, man, and uh, keep it out of the ditch, boys. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, we'll do the best we can. Ian Fitzsimmons, uh, you'll catch him later on, Freddie and Fitzsimmons tonight on ESPN Radio. And speaking of the NFL draft tomorrow, Aiden Hutchinson and Evan Neal will join us on Canty and Carlin. Very much looking forward to that. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Our telephone number with the Nets getting swept in the first round be a bigger failure than the Lakers not making the playoffs. Up next, who are we overlooking in the NBA? There's one team that we absolutely are. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part of the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Canty and Carlin, let's hit some calls. Tony in Texas up first right here on ESPN Radio. Tony, what's going on? Hey, guys. Uh, glad to be on with y'all. Appreciate you checking in. What do you got for us today? Yeah, I was. Um, when it comes down to the Lakers and Nets, who's the biggest disappointment? I think it has to be the Lakers because going into the season, we thought this was going to be a finals matchup. Now, at the end of the season, we don't think either one of these teams are a finals or is the finals team. Lakers not even being in the playoffs at this point, but the Lakers don't even look like a playoff team going going any further. The Nets, they're a couple of pieces away. Lakers need to retool the whole thing top to bottom to figure out where they are. I think that is the biggest disappointment because going in, future-wise, you don't know where they're going to go. Yeah, I have to tell I you. I hear though. where you're coming from, Tony, but here's the thing. The Lakers don't have that many big decisions to make. I mean, I, I think it ultimately comes down to what you're going to do with Russell Westbrook, and that's going to be the extent of the decisions that they make. I mean, should they trade Anthony Davis? Should they explore that possibility? Yeah, they should. I don't know that they will. With Kyrie Irving, the commitment that the Brooklyn Nets would have to make if he decides he's going to opt out this summer, you're talking about $250 million on a contract extension. That's a huge decision. Also, what you're going to do with Steve Nash, another huge decision because the reason Steve Nash is the coach is because KD wanted him to be the coach. So I think that there are more big decisions for the Brooklyn Nets moving forward than the Los Angeles Lakers. And then the other thing you got to keep in mind is LeBron James won a championship with the Lakers. Like yep. they, It's already mission accomplished. The Brooklyn Nets haven't sniffed a championship since KD and Kyrie got there. They, they have to operate with more urgency than the Lakers do. Let's hit Warren in Wisconsin up next quickly. Warren, what's up, buddy? You're on ESPN Radio. Hey, how's it going, guys? Um, my biggest thing is that between the Lakers and the Nets is that the Lakers – didn't have an issue with a commitment from all their players. Now the Nets, I mean, they're kind of are their own enemy with, you know, Kyrie was only able to play away games at some point, and Ben Simmons, I, I think he has a lack of passion, you know, and I, I think actually him at this point getting put on the court would, would be a liability because... Well, listen, was... I, I don't disagree with that at all. Appreciate the call. And you can't put him on now. I don't think that was going to do a whole lot, maybe a little bit defensively. He hasn't guarded anybody in forever. And a lot of the Nets' problems were self-inflicted because of that. But, you know, so is LeBron acting as GM, bringing over Russell Westbrook, too. So the reviews or the opinions are basically split on whether or not Debo Samuel is going to get traded this week it's canty and carlin espn radio presented by progressive insurance on your smart speaker play espn radio network as well and of course on sirius xm channel 80 the 49ers continue to say they do not want to trade debo samuel they do not plan to trade debo samuel that's nice they will and (laughs) teams say this all the time Because, A, I'm sure they do want to keep him. Who wouldn't want to keep him? But, B, you also have to find a way to not get completely fleeced in the deal. And the early reports are, Chris, that the 49ers, many GMs around the league who have checked in on it, feel like the 49ers are going to want two number one picks for Debo Samuel. Here's my question. How early in the day is John Lynch drinking? 
That's because, a great question. <laughs> because there is zero shot of getting two first-round picks for Debo Samuel. Well, you know, you shoot for the moon and hopefully you land on the stars. I think that's what John Lynch is trying to accomplish. Keep in mind all the draft capital that the 49ers forked over in order to move up to draft Trey Lance last year. Three first-round picks plus, Carlin. So I could imagine that they want to recoup that if they're going to move off of an all-pro wide receiver going into his fourth season in the NFL. It just makes sense to ask for something astronomical given the versatility that Debo Samuels brings to the table. You're talking about one of the best skill position players in the entire NFL, one of the best weapons, one of the best runners with the ball in his hand, regardless of position. So could that weapon help a team's offense? Absolutely it can. And so if you're John Lynch, you don't like to be forced into a corner where you have to trade Debo, but we ultimately know that if a star player in the NFL wants to be moved, then that's exactly what's going to happen. Remember what happened with Jalen Ramsey when he was in Jacksonville a few years ago and he got tired of playing for the Jags? What did he say? I had a bad back. I didn't want to play. I wasn't ready to play. What could the Jacksonville Jaguars do other than trade him to the Rams? Nothing. Now, they ended up getting two number one picks from the Rams, but that's about all you can do is try to find the very best – try to find the very best deal, hunt the best deal, get as many draft picks as you can. But here's what I'll say, Carlin. When it comes to draft day rumors around the 49ers, we got to learn our lesson and not believe what the 49ers say. <laughs> because it was this time last year where they were trying to convince everybody and their mama that they was going to draft Mac Jones with the third overall pick. And How mama did that didn't work out? Hey, nobody believed it. I didn't believe it. Nobody no. believed it. No. Nobody believed it. But people were reporting on it, and they did everything that they could, including going to the pro day down at Tuscaloosa to try to convince us that Matt Jones was the guy. All the while, we knew that they were going to draft Trey Lance. So all I'm simply saying is, when it comes to the 49ers and rumors around the draft, don't believe the 49ers. Look, when it was Jalen Ramsey and you're the best corner in the league, you're going to get two number ones. That's going to happen. When it's a great wide receiver, I don't think you're getting two number ones at that level. Um, when it, what did what did they get for? Uh, what was it, a first and a second that they got? Or was it two number ones that the Packers got for Devontae Adams? I think it was a first and a second. Yeah. So yeah, it, was a first, it was a first plus. So, so maybe yeah, you you'll get yeah. – I think the last wide receiver – I saw this the other day. It was, was Keyshawn Johnson. two number ones was Keyshawn, was Keyshawn, right? We were talking yeah, about that. it was that. Keyshawn. Yeah, Hembo stumped me on that when I was on Get Up on Friday. So, yeah, it was, Keyshawn, it was Keyshawn Johnson, the last receiver that went for two number ones. But it's not outside of the realm of possibility for John Lynch to get multiple – High picks, you know, I mean, you get a first round pick, sure. you get a second round pick, you get a fourth round pick. That's a pretty good haul for an investment in a player that you put a second round pick into. OK, so, so I, mean, I ask I, you this I mean, question. I would, I, I would be I would be on board with that, especially if what Debo is asking for from a contract standpoint is beyond what you're willing to pay. Because keep in mind, the 49ers got to pay Nick Bosa, too. That deal is coming mm-hmm. sooner rather than later. So you, you might want to stay on top of that. You might want to find a way to be able to get that done. And, and I don't know that paying Devo Samuel $25 million a year in new money is the way that they want to go in terms of how they allocate resources on their cap. So all I'm saying is this. If the guy said he doesn't want to be there, he doesn't like the way you're using him, then you hunt the best deal that you possibly can, and you probably better get it done before Thursday night so you can have a draft pick that you can do something with, with to help your football team in 2022. Crystal Ball Canty, Debo Samuel is playing where in 2022? 
Ooh, ah, Debo Samuel, Carlin. I, He's a I New like, York Jet. You know it. No, no, no. no I like I, no. I like Debo Samuel with the Dallas Cowboys. Wow. I like Debo with the Dallas Cowboys. You're already all in. Continue to go all in. You lost a playmaker at the wide receiver position in Amari Cooper, and I'll give you this: Cooper wasn't worth what you were going to pay him. Not how you were using him. No. So, yeah, and Ezekiel Elliott is not a player. His best years are behind him. He's not a player that can break tackles. Carlin, when I saw the stat that I'm about to give you, I almost fell out of my chair. The Dallas Cowboys only had five teams that had fewer broken tackles on run plays than they did last season. Wow. Five. Only five teams. And you're talking about the number one offense in the entire National Football League. With this but if you look Elliott. at it, in, 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 five, in all five of their losses – they did not rush for over 100 yards. So if you can't rush for over 100 yards, you got to find a way to replace that production. The short throws to Debo Samuel is the way to do it. The guy averages 10 yards after catch per reception. Go after Debo Samuel. Give your quarterback a weapon to work with. He's a New York Jet. I think he's going to be a Jet. I think the Jets, after they didn't get Tyreek Hill, will feel like they need to add a veteran receiver as opposed to drafting a receiver when they've already got another young one in Elijah Moore. Got to help Zach Wilson.